tell you a quick little story. How did this Apprentice Sunday thing evolve? Many years ago, I read the Billy Graham biography. And he told the story of when he got up to preach for the first time as a kid. And uh, in case, he prepared two messages. Thinking, well, if one isn't it, the other one will be. Now, bear in mind, he came from a very conservative denomination, not as casual as we are. But so he said he preached his first message flat out. Everything he had, and he looked at his watch, and it was 10 minutes. So he took his next message out and preached that for all he had, and it was another 10 minutes. And he said it was no surprise that some of the more established people in the congregation were less than happy that they opened the pulpit to this young upstart. For me, I imagine those very people who were grumpy then, when he became the world-renowned figure that he was, and justifiably so, I think they carried the badge of honor. I was there when he preached his first message. The grumpies became the celebratories. If there is such a word, if there isn't, there should be. And so that seed kind of caught me many, many years ago. And then I got the actual language. I stole it from a church planting friend in San Diego. And I love it. So, Brady, are you coming up first? Little sister. All right. I don't know why, but one of the first times Brady came to the community, the Spirit of God quickened something inside of me. Give some time to this young girl. And... Um, Young lady, young lady. And um, it has been wonderful to see God get hold of her more and more. Uh, have you got family here? Okay. No, I mean here tonight. All right, so if she does poorly tonight, it's your fault, obviously. Okay, just so that it's all clear. And uh, I have just loved watching Brady get a hold of God, uh, go through a difficult breakup, press hard into God and community, go on to Porto and the Portugal trip. And I think you loved it, didn't you? And uh, it's back all fired up, ready for the adventure which lies ahead. Would you extend your hand towards her? My love, would you come and pray, please? And then pray include Kat as well, because when you land, Kat's going to step up. God, I thank you that we are daughters and sons of, a, of the Most High God. Thank you, Lord, that it's an impossible task to represent you, but I thank you that you choose to do so in spite of us. I ask Jesus that through Brady, we would see you. We would hear what you're wanting to say. She'd be a, a beautiful vessel, God, for everything you're wanting to do in our midst. I ask through these two wonderful women, Christ, you would be glorified. You would be high and lifted up. Every one of us in this room would see you and uh, be stirred, God, by the things that stir you. Anoint your daughter, we pray in Jesus' name. spoke about his heart for Genesis and everything I just went up and I was like man I've never experienced 
a community like this, like the church I grew up in was so different, you have created this platform, you know, I'm just talking about how much I love Chris's posture. And then he's like, yeah, so you're gonna speak one day. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't think so, but cool. And then in, uh, right before I went to Portugal, Chris, Merrill, and I got um, coffee. And at coffee, again, he was like, yeah, so when you come back from Portugal, I think you're gonna be on, on stage and speaking. And I was like, mm, and Merrill and I both were like, ah. <laughs> so then, two weeks ago, we're back, and I'm talking about Portugal, and Chris is like, oh, by the way, you and Kat, you're gonna be speaking soon. And then, here we are. <laughs> so, yeah, bear with us, but um, it is quite an honor to be given this opportunity. And this week with the scripture that Chris asked us to go through has been such a, an amazing time for me in my time with the Lord. So, just wanted to open up in prayer real quick again. Um, Lord Jesus, you are so good. And I come here so grateful for this community of Genesis, of family. And I ask that if there's one thing you can give us tonight is an overpour of your love and your peace, God. We're so thankful for you. Amen. So when I was um, in Portugal, before I met up with everyone in... Um, Um, before I met up with everyone in Porto, I got to go to Lisbon alone, um, and I got to go to one of the churches, Freedom Church, um, which Jeff and some of those people ended up meeting up with us in Porto. And I got to get coffee with some of the girls before, which then, really sweet, really casual coffee. And we ended up walking to church and going to church, and that was great. And then after, I got into a conversation with one of the girls who I was at coffee with, and it went from a really casual coffee conversation to kind of pouring our hearts out to each other after, where we were just in the corner of the room while there's so much happening, and she was asking me what my hope for Porto was. And I was explaining that I wanted to come back changed, and in that, I kind of opened up a little bit about the season Chris touched on that I've been walking through of heartache, but in more than one area, in romantic heartbreak, friendship heartbreak, and also community because we had a break of my home, my home group was leaving. And so it was just a lot of change. And I was explaining how I didn't really know what the Lord was doing in that. And I was sitting hopeful and obedient and then she started to cry. And I was like, oh shoot, what'd I say? <laughs> and then she explains that she was walking through such a similar thing and that she has sort of, in a sense, lost her worth and lost what the Lord has for her. And so I got to sit there and just affirm her in so much of the beauty of what the Lord has for her and how gracious and how kind he is. All that to say, it has, been so interesting to see me take that stance for someone else, but not for myself. So then this week when Chris gave us Psalm 103 to go through, I started and it was such an unexpected experience because I, this scripture is easy, you know, 
I'll read it. It's, my soul bless the Lord and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. My soul bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As our Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field when the wind passes over it. It vanishes and it place, its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. So we all know that. And I could recite that, you know, we sing songs about it. But in my time each morning, I would start to read it, and then I would start to cry, experiencing what I've walked through and not trusting, realizing that I haven't been trusting, that the Lord is compassionate, that he is gracious, he's slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. And I had this overwhelming feeling that I needed to repent and to apologize for not trusting what the Lord had for me and that I am wiped clean and that he loves me so much. And I feel like that's kind of a trend of what our society has is it's really easy to tell someone you're forgiven, you are loved, but it's a whole other thing to embody that characteristic of knowing and trusting that the Lord does love you and he does forgive you. Um, it was really cool in Portugal because we, when we were in Porto, we completely went back to the basics of who's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then how important scripture is. And since then, I've just felt such a need to go back to that and to really know who Jesus is in order to give that love freely and healthily. Um, in preparation for this, I was chatting with Tyler, and he reminded me of this A.W. Tozer quote, which one of the first times I saw you preach, you said this. So I, when you told me it, I remembered it. But it's, uh, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. And since that conversation, it's wrapped me up even more in the understanding of what I believe true to be about God. Not just what is true, but as what is true for me, and how he has forgiven me and loves me. So I've wrestled with the question of who is God and what is that about? Um, in my time of how to prove to you guys who God is, there are so many just books of the Bible that we could reference of his faithfulness, his love, you know. The one that really stuck out to me was Hosea. Um, 
there are so many things happening. There are two ways you could look at it. One from, you know, the romantic aspect of him choosing his wife or being told who his wife is and the other of Israel. But for me, I felt like how the Lord told Hosea, you need to marry this woman and you have to love her faithfully and see what happens was just so overwhelming of the Lord knew who she was deep down, who she was called to be, and it didn't matter what she had done, who she had hurt, the decisions she'd made, he loved her, and he was giving her a human, like an earthly man, to love her. And he, Hosea didn't know what he was really getting into, but, you know, it's okay. He got into it, and um, it ended up being so beautiful. And I feel like that is what, that is a perfect depiction of what the Lord's love is for us. He sits faithfully waiting for us to accept his love and to repent and just to know us. I, just, I think it's so crazy, that story. <laughs> um, and at the end of Hosea, um, the last little chapter, 14, verse 4 through 9, he says, I will heal their apostasy. I will freely love them, for my anger will have turned from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily and take root like the cedars of Lebanon. His new branches will spread. His splendor will be like the olive tree, his fragrance like the forests of Lebanon. The people will return and live beneath his shade. They will grow grain and blossom like the vine. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. And I just think that completely ties back to Psalm 103 of what the Lord's love really is for us. It is compassionate, it is gracious, it is slow to anger, and it is abounding in love. Uh, he will not accuse us or be angry forever, and my heart, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions. To visualize that, that my sin is all the way over there, is the coolest thing, <laughs> you know? Um, so when you take what, who God is and what his love is for us, where do you go with that? Um, Timothy Keller quotes, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be known fully and truly loved as well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us of our righteousness, of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. And I think that's what I've been wrestling with, is that Jesus really knows me. Someone in this world really, really knows me. For every mistake I've made, for every good or bad, really, decision I've had, he loves me regardless. And that is such an overwhelming feeling. Like, I can be so crazy, such an idiot sometimes, and he still loves me, regardless, you know? Like, it's crazy. Um, and, and then to take it back to the Bible of like, to see so many different struggles of that, of being known and trusting that the Lord knows you, and kind of pushing that away, but then letting it happen and pushing it away, you know? It's just overwhelming. Um, again, through my preparation, I came across something that struck me. Um, knowledge in Hebrew is the verb root yada, which is different from knowing about someone. It is truly knowing someone. So I could know Delaney. 
I could see her at church and be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> but I know Delaney. After spending so much time with her in Porto, I know her heart. And I could probably tell when she's upset or when she's not, you know, even if she's hiding it. And that's what the Lord has for us in his love. And with that, then to take that into our community, that would be something even more beautiful. To trust that he he really loves me and knows me. So how do I love my people and know my people? Um, the Lord so kindly prompted me in my vulnerability in Lisbon to share with this random girl just the heartache of, the list of heartache that I had been walking in. And in some sense, she, I wasn't strong enough to share that, but the Lord blessed me with that. And so now I sit here wondering, how do I, when I fully know and fully trust that the Lord loves me and he forgives me and he is gracious and compassionate, I wonder how much love and grace I'm gonna be able to give to others. Um, our infamous story of Porto is of Jeff who leads Freedom City. Tyler spoke about it last week, and it is just the gnarliest story of he, this church is so unique, and it was so cool to experience, but he um, was at dinner with some of the people who are a part of his community, and they are a couple who held orgies in their house on Saturdays, but went to church on Sundays, and he just loved them, didn't tell them they were wrong, didn't condemned them. He loved them for where they were at, for the sins they were continuously making. And he was watching, just like Jesus. And then they stopped. And they had the encounter with the Lord. And I just think that that would be so beautiful if we could bring that to our community, of loving people for where they were at. And then they're going to meet Jesus. So as, you know, the next week goes on, and the next month of figuring out how we're going to bring that to our community and this changing time, I'm going to really try to trust the Lord's compassion for me and give that to others and trust the Lord's grace that he has on my life and give that to others because he has been so patient with me and so gracious. So how can I not freely give that and let others encounter that? Um, yeah, Jesus is so good, and it'll be so sweet to watch our community walk in that, in the freeness of his love. Yeah, so, thanks. Lord, thank you for Kat. Thank you for blessing her with this body to carry this beautiful baby, Lord. <laughs> and thank you for her presence, for her kind heart and her gracious ways, Lord. I ask that you just equip her right now to spread your truth and your love, Lord. And ask that we sit here and receive it open-handedly. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If I didn't know that Brittany was a woman of integrity that she is, I would have highly doubted that was her first time teaching. 
right, I'm super excited to be up here, you guys. Also, like, thank you to Chris and Merrill for these. They're, they're such a joy, these Apprentice Sundays. And huge well done to Haley. You did fabulous. Did such a good job. She's a cool chick if you don't know her. Get some coffee with her. I'm really excited to come up here. Um, Psalm 103 is one of those psalms that has kicked me in the pants twice. Um, first of all, when I first kind of came to the Lord after straying away for a while. And um, just some pain that I had. And then reading Psalm 103 really broke my heart over how God really thinks about me. And then again, and observing how I treat others and how I love others and what I've received from the Lord versus what I've given and the total conviction of how those did not add up and they did not match and they did not come close. And though we are imperfect, we are to be like Christ. And so I'm really just excited to go through this. We've been given this really beautiful opportunity and a mandate from God to be an expression of his love to the people around us. And when we were given the prophetic word of growth and growing, that means that we have this beautiful responsibility to with open arms embrace anybody who comes and anybody who's new and to love those with the love of Jesus. And something even that the Lord was speaking to me about was how we might have grown up, whether we grew up conservative, Christian, or charismatic, the world is changing and the way people have grown up is very different from how it used to be. And that our expectation of what people have encountered of God and what they've encountered of Christians is very different from what we might have thought it was depending on where we come from. And so how knowing who God really is and how he responds to us is so important. It's so important to know who he is and how he loves us. And so I'm excited to dive into that today. And similar to what Brady had said, how our relationship with God is really so important with how we relate to him. But it also impacts how we relate to ourselves and it impacts how we relate to everybody else around us. And I kind of like this example of if depending on what kind of a work environment you've been in, if you've been in a work environment where the boss was super controlling and looked at you and nitpicked everything you did and always had a word of correction or instruction, no matter how much you poured your heart into it, even the, your fellow employees, there's an edginess and there's a tightness and there is a narrow-sidedness in your job where you feel edgy, you don't feel like you can fully be yourself, you're constantly worried about how you're doing, and you get wrapped up and your world becomes very small. And then if you've had the joy and privilege of working for a boss that is empowering, that sees you and is willing to give you constructive criticism, but not to the detriment of your character, but is willing to love you and is willing to give you second chances and really support you in what you're doing, how different that work environment is just for you, but also for your fellow employees and your customer service people coming in and how you act. And so in likeliness, the way that we see God and the way that we interact with God and how we think God relates to us really affects how we live our lives and how we live and how we treat other people. One of the enemy's greatest tactics and one of the first things that he really did while humans were here on earth was lie to us about our father. In Genesis 3, 4 through 5, the enemy says, You will not certainly die, the certain says to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so there's this lie of, who is God? Does he actually love you? Does he really want what's best for you? Is he really good? What is, there are so many different things that we can believe about God that are false. 
that we can assume about him or grow up with the false idea. And it doesn't matter who put the idea there, but what really matters is, is there something that we're believing about God that isn't true? And a lot of times, it's sneaky, it's subconscious, it isn't outright. And even just taking some time, just going into a couple of different ones, ones that I myself believed at different stages in my life, and how God really took those apart. Some different lies was that God is a bully, and not the bully that's like waiting to strike you down bully, but the bully's like, if you don't act out of fear of me, I'm gonna come at you so that you do. And that's a lie that we can believe about God, that he's just wanting you to be in constant fear of him and having a false belief of what the true fear of the Lord looks like. That God is indifferent, that he really doesn't care about your situation, doesn't care about the fact that you need to move in two weeks and you don't have an apartment yet. That's my situation right now. <laughs> but he does care and I know that he does. Or God, the glory hungry deity, and this is something that I've been wrestling with recently. And the wrestle is, is God, is God always wanting to get the glory? Is he so willing to create hard things for you just so in the end you can go, but glory to God? And that's a painful thing to admit, but I'm gonna be real. Like that's a, that's a lie that I have been struggling with recently is God constantly trying to create a hard situation so he can swoop in and save the day and get all the glory? And the answer to that is no, he's really, he's better than that. He's so much better than that, and he proves that. So I'm gonna go through Psalm 103, and it says, Brady so wonderfully read this already. Um, it says, praise the Lord, all my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. How easily do we forget his benefits? Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Sometimes love can be a hard word for us to hear when we talk about God because love is so twisted in our culture. So it's kind of like, what, what, do, we, what do we think about that? What does that actually look like? Let's say the Lord is kindly affectionate. He's kindly affectionate towards you. He loves you with an ever-ending love, but it's deeper than just the love that we know. He, not, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. That one got me, because I am a justice queen, and I love to accuse when someone does something wrong. And I was like, oh, crap. I'm sorry, Cossum. <laughs> My husband. Um, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That thought that the minute that we slip up, God is that corrective boss. It's like, you were wrong, you need to fix it. This was something you need to change. It doesn't say that God does that. It says he does not always do that. Does not always repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed and he remembers that we are dust. And I just want to talk about some things that can keep us away from the Lord because of what we believe about him. Because of those things that he says that he is compassionate. 
and then he separates our sin from us. And I think sometimes we can look at sin and even though we're Christians, we can hold on to that. I love this picture of before you're a Christian, sin sticks to you like a sticker. You can't get it off. And when you sin, you, it, it stays with you. But the blood of Jesus washes that completely away. It's like when, when you're saved, you become a new creation. Whatever kept that sticker sticking to you, it's gone. So they fall off. Your sin, when you bring it to the Lord, it's gone. Here's the thing, though. Sometimes we hold on to it, and we're like, this is me. This is mine. This is my sin sticker. This is what I carry around with me. And God is so desperately saying, please let that go. Because you need to let it go. Because you need to help other people let it go. And you can't do that if you don't let it go yourself. He separates it as far as the east is from the west. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Another thing, too, is that no sin is greater than the other. There talks about the unforgivable sin, but when it comes to other things, we do not have a hierarchy of sin. You know, it's, it's so interesting. You know, you might have someone come into the church and they're like, Yeah, I'm really struggling with pride and arrogance. And it's like, Oh, man, sis, like, let's get some coffee and talk about that. You know, let's just pray over that. If someone comes in, I'm really struggling with an addiction to porn. It's like, oh, we gotta, I have to talk to the elders. We might have a protocol for this. <laughs> and that stops people. That stops people from being open. That stops us from being open with each other because there is no shame or condemnation with Jesus. And shame is a thing that we need to get rid of as well. Shame is a robe that we are destined to wear, is a lie that I think many of us believe, even subconsciously. That we just keep it on us, that it inhibits us from doing what God has called us to do. We cling to it almost as an excuse sometimes, I think. But we also feel it, and it weighs heavy on us. And if we're called to love like Jesus, we're called to call shame off of everybody who walks in this door. And that means ourselves too. We can't hold on to shame, we gotta let it go. Psalm 25.3 says, No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. Jesus went to the cross and he despised our shame. Jesus hates our shame. He hates it. When you follow Jesus and when you accept it into your heart, shame, like that sticker, does not stick to you anymore. But the thing is that you've got to let it go yourself as well. You will play a part in this relationship and you don't have to hold on to shame. Shame keeps you in shallow relationships. I love that Brady talked about being vulnerable with somebody because if you carry shame, it will keep you from doing that. You won't be able to be vulnerable because you'll be living in fear of judgment because that sin was a, was a greater sin because it was so bad. That's not the case. It's not. I remember when I was in college, I, 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 lived in a, I grew up in a really strong purity culture that was almost too strong to a fault. And in college, I had lost my virginity and I thought, oh my gosh, I am trash. My calling is gone. And I remember I actually stayed in an abusive relationship because I thought the only way I could rid my shame and remedy my wrong was by marrying a man who is abusive. Shame is a cage that we are not meant to stay in. And people need to be free from it, but we need to be free from it. 
So often we can project these things onto other people unknowingly because it's a standard we hold ourselves to that God does not. But we have to let go of that and let the Lord minister to our hearts and drop those things because they're just not meant for us. That's the beauty of the cross is complete freedom from all of those things. God restores. He's like, you lost your virginity? I'll give it back to you. It's beautiful. He looks at those things that you hold shame to. He's like, I am the great redeemer. As if it never happened, I can come back and I can redeem that thing for you. And that's what we're called to do with every single person who walks in here. To not be blown away by a sin that they have committed or the shame that they carry. We're supposed to say, oh, listen, you've got to know the good news of Jesus. Because that stuff, when you know him, it doesn't matter. It's gone. It falls off of you. You're a new creation. But if we don't do that ourselves, we look like hypocrites. And that's not what we're called to be. We're called to show the face of Jesus and be his love. But sometimes first, the Lord has to work in our heart and show that, hey, I, I love you. Will you let me love you? I love what Brady said. Just She said that to her friend and then realized, I need to accept that for myself. We need to accept freedom for ourselves and let go of some of those things. All of those things that keep us from being who God called us to be. Because God calls things out in us. I, I love in Hebrews, there's, there's a chapter, I think it's Hebrews 11. I have it written down here, but it's the chapter of faith. And God is like, and it's listing all these people who had great faith. But if you look at their story, they're, in, they're not perfect. And there are definitely moments when they don't exhibit strong faith. You're like, okay, you know. Listen, all those people in the Bible, nobody was perfect but Jesus. None of them. And the thing is, is and that God sees us and he remembers that we're dust and he's compassionate towards us. You know, he doesn't treat us as we always deserve. And as far as the east is from the west, so far he separates us from sin and shame. And as high as the heavens is towards the earth, so high is his love. And so that love that we receive from him is kind of terrifying because we have to come to terms with the fact that we really need it. We can't, you know, and I think a lot of times we'll bury, bury that stuff. We'll bury the shame and we'll bury the sin and we'll hold on to it and it'll kind of weigh on our hearts and it can bubble up in different ways. And that's why it's so important to deal with it because we are called to give it like we receive it but you are play a huge part in your own receiving of God's love, a massive part. It's, he, God is a gentleman, and he's trying to hug you. He's trying to wrap his arms around you, and he's like, I just want to love you so much. I just want to let you know you're so accepted. I care about you so much that how often are we like, but my shame, but what I've done. And he's like, I died for that. I died. I knew when I died. I knew that that was what you were doing. I, had, I completely had full knowledge of who I was dying for and what you had done that I needed to die for. Let me embrace you. And in receiving that embrace from God, we can also embrace others that come into our church. But it kind of starts with us. Because the glory and love of God is gorgeous. And it's insatiable. And it's irresistible. But what's, what's hard is when there is shame involved and that taints the love of God and how we express it to others. And so I'm, I'm really excited that we're doing communion today because I think it's a really amazing time to have an intimate moment with the Lord even in this. 
Um, and I'm going to close us in prayer. And I know we're going to come up and do communion, but I just want to invite you to just let your shoulders down because shame is a jerk and it keeps you from the Lord. And so does holding on to the sin that God has already forgiven you from. And freedom is so much better than that. It's so much better than holding on to things because you don't have to. He doesn't want you to. It's not his heart for you. It's not his heart for our community, and that's not our heart for our community either. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you are so wildly generous in your love for us and that the message of the gospel is so powerful and freeing, Lord. And so, God, I just pray for a revelation in our hearts of your love. God, I pray that you would pull out those things that maybe we've been holding on to, that you're saying it's time to let go and release it to you. Lord, I pray that you would um, speak to us individually and clearly in love. I thank you for your tender love and your mercy, and I bless every single person here. Lord, I pray that they would find the freedom in you, God, to love like you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.